Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of the What's Good Games podcast. A few disclaimers. Since we are a brand new podcast, we have a few technical issues with the recording this week. We want to apologize to all the audiophiles out there for any gate issues, clipping, and of course, we are working on the issues with Britney's mic as well. We truly hope this doesn't disrupt your listening experience, and we appreciate your patience as we work through some of our original kinks and problems that we're having with the recording. That said, we hope you enjoy this week's show, and please provide us any feedback by reaching out to us on any of our social media accounts or on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash what's good games. To our very first episode of the What's Good Games podcast. Woo! Oh my gosh, guys, we did it! It's happening! It is our first show, and we are so excited that you guys are joining us. And you get video because we hit our first Patreon goal. Thank you so much to everyone who's supporting us on Patreon. If you guys have not checked out our page, please goot. Please. Sorry, it's been a long day. I flew back from Los Angeles after seeing Destiny today. It's um, patreon.com slash what's good games. My name is Andrea Renee. I am joined by my wonderful co-host to my right, this Alexa Ray. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Welcome back from L.A. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Welcome back. Thank, thank you very much. Um, and of course, we have coming straight from Washington, Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hello. Is that how you're going to say that every show? I, I, you know, it's a thing. I break out random accents that don't even exist. So, yes, expect that Ooh. a lot. No, I'm, I'm into it. I, I like it. Oh, good. And then uh, rounding out our Motley crew, of course, Miss Steimer coming from Los Angeles. Hello. You yeah. just, I dropped you off at the airport and now you're at your house. You did. I got to see Magic. two of you guys today. That's exciting. Um, and we're all going to be together next week for our very first Twitch stream. If you guys are not following us on Twitch, please head over to twitch.tv slash what's good games. We will be streaming on Tuesday, May 23rd, 23rd. Yeah. Which is two days after Brittany's birthday and one day after mine, because we are 12 hours apart. Party so we will be having some birthday drinks. Party hats. Um, I have these. Oh yes. Amazing yes. disco balls. So for those people who are listening and not watching the video, it's like a mini disco ball with a straw coming out of it. And so it looks it's kind of like a to, coconut, but it's a disco ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A disco nut. Exactly. And we are going to drink adult <laughs> beverages out of these at some point. <laughs> Starting with the birthday stream, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so, ladies, it's our first podcast. And um, we're going to kind of go through the segments that we're going to be doing weekly. Uh, we figured the best thing to do is to start the podcast out with some video game news. Later on, we're going to get into our hands-on section and talk about what we have been playing this week. And then our third segment is going to be called kind of like our grab bag segment. If we want to feature a specific game that we're previewing, if there is uh, another piece of media that we've seen, or if there's a specific question that we get from, you know, the audience, from you guys who are listening out there, you know, that is kind of going to be our variety segment. And then what we decided was that we would really like to do a fourth segment called off topic meaning we're going to talk about stuff that is not video games related so if you're here just for the video games awesome we love video games and we love that you're here for video games but we have lots of other stuff in our life that we like to talk about so we thought we would dedicate a segment and so we put it at the end of the show 
that way, if you guys are like, Meh, I'm out, you can dip out early. But that's the show. <laughs> so uh, let's go. And <laughs> you like that? That's good. good. <laughs> <laughs> this is too normal for me. Goodbye. <laughs> Basically. Um, so how are we going to un- unnormie it? What would you suggest? Unnorm the final segment? Yeah. Uh, we could talk about uh, my favorite thing, puppets. Oh, oh God! God. <laughs> or <laughs> the giant eye roll that was being like, or anyway, video game news. Video game news. Yeah, so we have a bunch of stories uh, lined out for you. My computer went to sleep. Uh, Britt, you want to dive into the first one there? Yeah, the first story we have is that Ubisoft has announced Far Cry Five and The Crew Two, and they have officially announced the new Assassin's Creed, which has been leaked for how long now? A couple weeks at least. So, oh no, it, it leaked technically at least last year. Was it two years? Jason, I remember Jason Schreier wrote about an Egypt Assassin's Creed in like 2015. Like, yeah, it, it's wow. been a Damn. while since the original leak happened, but now we're starting to see, you know, the things details. like. Yeah, marketing assets and things like that that are um, are being leaked. Um, So let's start with the Far Cry news. I think this is no surprise to any of us. We knew that Far Cry was going to happen. Um, I don't know how I feel about, you know, the kind of um, speculation that we've seen about what this game is going to be about. What is the speculation? What do you guys know? So wasn't there a leak or someone, someone leaked that the game would be set in Montana? I don't know why I air quotes Montana because Montana Montana is a real place. (laughs) Montana. Um, That it's set in Montana, but other sources are saying that they heard it's just like Wild West theme. So Wild West Montana or maybe like modern day Montana. I can't imagine modern day Montana would be super exciting for a far cry apologies to modern day montana um, <laughs> from north dakota we're next door neighbors i i get why you would not want to be so jazzed about it but far cry to me has always been about these uh, these like weirdly exotic locations like in the middle of a jungle or on a faraway island or mm-hmm. somewhere that feels no matter where you live in the world remote and inaccessible and dangerous when i hear dangerous i don't think modern day montana, montana. <laughs> um, maybe not yo, modern there are grizzly day, bears but... in montana <laughs> well maybe not grizzly but do those but grizzly bears. bears also have machine guns and deal coke maybe oh that maybe. would be a fantastic game can we make <laughs> 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 not a bad idea <laughs> i've never been able idea. to finish a far cry title my issue with sandbox games and games like this in general are that i i lose interest because there's so much to do. And so for me to like remain super hooked, like for example, with Grand Theft Auto, I lose interest. It's too big. There's too much shit to do. But with Red Dead Redemption, the same sort of formula, but it's like a Western atmosphere. I can't get enough of it. So that's my concern. If I can't finish a Far Cry game, and I know Primal was my fiance played it, loved it. Excellent game. And all the jungly scenarios that you've mentioned, Alexa, those dangerous wildlands and whatnot. If this is in any sort of modern day setting, I'm already insta out. And I don't want to be like a skeptic and Debbie Downer, but I just can't see myself getting into it if it is something modern day or something that's not different than the day from the day to day norm. It can be modern day. I just think it can't be modern day Montana. (laughs) (laughs) We got to get this modern day Montana thing. Because like the Far Cry 4 was more modern ish day, right? But yeah, you know, set somewhere that was not anywhere you're going to go anytime soon. Uh, and so that's why it was sort of interesting. And I did actually finish Far Cry 4, but I hear what you're saying, Britt, about a lot of these games being just so big that you're like, you get overwhelmed and you can't, yeah. you feel like you're never going to be able to finish it. 
know, right? <laughs> that's what she said. Uh, but then, <laughs> but yes, uh, <laughs> the first that's what she said of the night. <laughs> the main issue I had with Far Cry when I was playing it, and I don't, I don't know if they changed it because I didn't play Primal. Um, I get irritated when they make you go back and re-clear bases that you've already cleared. And to me, it just feels like like they're just doing it to pad out the content, like to make it so that the game is technically longer. And I don't like that at all. Like if I've cleared the base, I've cleared the base. Stop making me come back every 20 minutes and help these people. They can help themselves. Okay, (laughs) sure. (laughs) Okay, I feel you there. So. I have an appointment to see this game later this week as part of Judges Week, which is cool. And um, I don't know when the embargo is, so we might not be able to talk about it until the week after, maybe even later. But as soon as I find out what these details are, I will share them with you ladies and, of course, all of our fans of the show. So what about the crew, too? Did any of you play the crew? Nope. Uh, big no, old bag of nope. <laughs> no, bag no, of no, no. Um, so I played a little bit of the crew and it was actually really well done. Uh, I think they really excelled in their multiplayer components of that game. And it got, you know, a pretty good um, response from fans of the arcade racing genre because it feels more like an arcade racer than a simulation racer from what I have experienced with that game. So I think it's no surprise that they're bringing it back. It did, you know, very well. Um so no big shock there, but I think the one that we really want to talk about is Assassin's Creed. So Ubisoft has said nothing about this game, clearly waiting for their big reveal at E3. They even said as much when they made the announcement, like coming to E3, you'll see more at E3. Um, what do you guys think about, you know, going to Egypt? Are you excited? More, more boats and more water play? So here's my question. Is it modern day Egypt or is it ancient? I mean, the whole thing about Assassin's Creed is that it's not modern day, right? I mean, okay. there are modern, there have been modern day components to the Assassin's Creed franchise, but like the bulk of the game is set with your ancestors' right. history. Because I was back in time. Sorry. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I was exactly. thinking about this and like modern day Egypt is like kind of like fraught with peril right now. So True. that would be a really, maybe an interesting way to take it. Egypt, like super cool i feel like we haven't spent much time in that part of the world with assassin's creed we haven't spent any time there with like ubisoft's games in general so i'm really excited to see how they do that um i but i feel like the thing that's going to sell it for me is not just the world building but like the protagonist like who are we going to get are we are we going to get a guy a lady (laughs) They're going to be twins? <laughs> it will, it's going to be calling right now that it's not, not going to be kidding. a lady. Twin voice. There, there might be a female, a female component to the, you know, the character roster of that game, but it's Assassin's Creed. I, will, I would like be super shocked if they ever put a female as the sole lead. I mean, obviously... Um, they did it on Vita. Yes, which was great. And, and, you know, they obviously ported that to the PS4. And I thought that she was, you know, Aveline, I thought she was a really great character. I just, I sadly know that marketing and stockholders and like this perception of what sells in video games is probably going to prevent a female from being the cover star of a major AAA franchise like Assassin's Creed is, which is a bummer. But like, that's kind of the reality that we're in. I am hoping that a lot of, publishers out there because i know it's not developers because i know developers are making some really great stuff the people who are really behind these kinds of decisions are the people at the publishing um companies 
can see a game like Horizon Zero Dawn and how successful that was with, you know, a female cover star and say, hey, it can be done. There can be a game that has a sole female protagonist that sells millions of units and maybe we'll see more. I just don't think it's going to be this Assassin's Creed. Yeah, that's fair. That's and fair. I also I also think the people will not only be paying attention to Horizon, but um the Naughty Dog expansion that's coming out that's mm. starring yeah. Lost Chloe Legacy. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. So that's two women and it's like, well, Ooh. if you if it's just oh, proving boy. that it doesn't matter what gender they are as long as they are a good character that you can feel like you can relate to. Mm-hmm. In a perfect yeah. world, yeah. Yeah, I'm quiet on this cuz Assassin's Creed and I just have never really clicked. I've um a few years back, I was like, I'm going to try to test out this series. So I started with the first one, got maybe 75% of the way through. And the first one's really buggy, really glitchy. You know, it's not the best Assassin's Creed game, I feel like, to jump into if you're going to try to jump into the series as a newbie. But alas, I have a thing. I like to try games from the very beginning. Burned me out. I tried Black Flag for a little bit, and I thought it was a beautiful game. And I liked the idea of the um, ship battles and all that kind of stuff. But... Again, I get overwhelmed. There's too much stuff to do. And then I lose focus on the story and then I just lose interest. But what I did hear about this Assassin's Creed is it's supposed to be a lot more like Black Flag. I think the developer, not the developers, but some person up in the development chain is behind this new one. Granted, that's just a rumor because nothing has been officially confirmed. But if that's the case, I think I'd be willing to give this one a shot. Yeah, the thing that's always bothered me about Assassin's Creed is it's always within the controls. Like, I've always just wanted to rip my hair out when I'm trying to play it because it's trying to predict you so much, but it doesn't always get it right. And to me, that's just the most frustrating thing in the world. And I remember what, what's the last Assassin's Creed you played? It was one of the ones in Italy. I don't remember which number. What? So that's a long time ago. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Simon, that's a fair criticism of earlier Assassin's Creed games. Yeah, I they haven't have... tried it since. They have really overhauled the mechanics in that department, particularly with the climbing in the last couple iterations to the point where it's Mm -hmm. it's gotten really easy to scale buildings very quickly. In fact, you can just hold down the button. You really don't even need to direct Mm -hmm. him, which kind of took away a little bit of the puzzle element to the climbing uh, in some of the earlier Assassin's Creed games. But it's no longer uh, janky. I mean, like I okay. used to accidentally jump off yeah. buildings all the time. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I want to kill myself, but not really. But God, like it was just so annoying that I just stopped paying attention to the franchise. Um, I remember one time, I think, I, I don't know, like I, I, I ended up somehow punching myself off of a building. What? Like, I was yep. fighting someone no, off of I, I believe roof, it. And it was just like he swung, but the guy moved and then I fell off the building and I was like. I'm done. Oh, I'm Christine. Done. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, you should play Assassin's um, Creed before we like, I don't want to talk about this all night, obviously, but yeah, I, did, right, right. Right. I did try Unity yeah. and I really was excited about the aspect of co-op, but obviously we all know how that went. Would you guys like to see co-op in the newer Assassin's Creed games? No, because I won't play it. Oh, <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> the... The co-op stuff that we saw in Unity, I thought was interesting. Um, it's hard to tell. I, I would like to see it maybe implemented in a different way. I think that if you bring in co-op, you kind of inherently lose some of the stealth mechanics that the franchise is most well known for. And I don't know if that trade-off is going to be worth it. I would have to see how it's done because it's as you know that co-op section improved, doing co-op with friends, I mean, and being stealthy together can be quite a challenge. 
And if you don't have a solid crew of people that you're playing with, I mean, obviously matchmaking is not really an ideal kind of thing. No, um, someone's going to so troll know, you. Like, <laughs> for, me, for me, I'd rather see multiplayer come back and then skip co-op altogether. But I don't know if multiplayer is ever coming back, which is kind of a bummer. Um, mm. But to me, I've always enjoyed the single player aspect of Assassin's Creed the most. And so as long as they nail that, which I think they really need to do after taking a year off of the franchise, I think the, the bar is set pretty high for them to, mm-hmm. you know, not mess it up. <laughs> so, but anyway, um, we should move on because there's a lot of other stuff that we uh, should talk about. So uh, the next thing I have on the list here is uh, the Nintendo Direct that happened this week. So Nintendo came out with another presentation to talk about ARMS, their fighting game. Arm. Um, have any of you ladies got a chance to test out arms at all? No, no but I have some arms. You do. <laughs> I test out arms every day. And one it doesn't work so well. So they kind of uh, pulled back the curtain on a lot more specifics about the gameplay of arms and kind of like how deep the gameplay system will go. Um, I'll talk a little about it here, but if we can maybe go into it a little bit more in the hands on section where I actually got to play. But essentially, they added two new fighters and some new arenas and they kind of talked about how you can mix and match your arms with different characters and how the arms are almost like a set of gear that have specific attributes. Um, And so like some arms can punch faster, some are slower, but more powerful. (laughs) Certain arms can... I know, it sounds weird, right? Some arms. Those of you just listening, we're all laughing. Because I'm picturing like... You know those cutout or like paper dolls? Like I'm just picturing paper dolls and putting different, like sticking different, like giant arms and then tiny arms that's, and then like that's what arms exactly like, what it's like though because you can mix and match arms. So in the demo that I played, so for people who aren't familiar with what arms is, it's a 3D fighting game from third person perspective. So you are in an arena and you go one on one, or if you're doing, there are also two v two battles, and then there's some other modes as well. And your character has like these slinky type arms. And at the end of them are, you know, boxing gloves of various natures and like the different types of arms that. Yeah, exactly. That's how they move. (laughs) Steimer is moving her arms in a very floaty way. Um, And so when they punch, they punch very slowly. And so that's a really interesting way to uh, kind of approach a fighting game, because most fighting games, the action is very quick, very fast, very twitch based. But this is a, it's, it's a different kind of technique because there are three different ways to play with this on the Nintendo Switch. You can play with the Joy-Cons as motion controllers like Wiimotes. You can play with them holding it like a traditional Nintendo controller or you can use the Pro Controller. And I think that that's really unique because most fighting games don't have that many inputs. It's mm-hmm. like a controller or a fight stick and like that's it. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see the motion controls and how that affects you know, the competitive play. And um, I found that the motion controls were difficult to use, but some of the people who work for Nintendo in the treehouse said, well, once you get good, (laughs) you'll find that the motion controls are much more accurate and you'll have, you have more control and you'll want to play with motion controls. So I'm just wondering if um, people will figure out how to like, not break it, but sort of break it. Like when break the, arms. the original break. Oh God, yeah, we're gonna break all your arms. Um, but no, like you know when you first started playing the Wii and you were like going all out, and then you realize you just need to like flick your wrist a certain way and you get right. perfect every time. So yes. I wonder if that, that if that's gonna be an issue with balancing, especially if they do want to make this competitive at all. 
It's good that you brought that up because we found out very quickly that no, you can't cheat it like that, like you would with the Wii, because you have to follow through. So when I let's say I'm holding the Joy Cons in my hand, if I'm punching with my left arm, I have to move my hand through the motion. Mm. So I can't just like flick mm, my wow. wrist okay. like you could with the with with the Wii Instead, you have to like almost like your bo- like shadow boxing. <laughs> you punch, and then if you move your arm afterwards almost like a hook in in boxing you can actually make your arm in the game curve after the fact but now i'm wondering how many people are gonna throw out their shoulders doing this well that's a good question because it's really (laughs) already halfway there like it's not it's not like you need to have impact on something like uh be careful when you're playing this game everybody yeah Yeah. (laughs) anyway i don't want to go you know too much into it because we do have some other news to get to before this segment's over but um i was you know i was intrigued i was intrigued intrigued by arms yeah that's what i'll say (laughs) um (laughs) so um brit as our resident zelda fangirl um what do you think about this next piece of news? Um, Nintendo reportedly developing a Zelda smartphone game. It makes me it makes me nervous because oh. I think of Zelda, <clears throat> especially with the launch of Breath of the Wild. I think of these sprawling environments. I think of these intricate dungeons, like this exploration, these epic combat, you know. And I don't see how that could possibly translate well onto a smartphone. Um, if you think about games like Mario and Fire Emblem, like I feel like that's easily done on a, on a smartphone. Sure, simple enough. You can do whatever you want. So unless Nintendo goes with the route of like a link to the past or a link between worlds, where it's kind of like a top-down something or another, or just like a whole bunch of mini games, I might be able to get by with that. But if they take the Zelda name and just use it to make money and deliver a shit title, I'm going to be very irritated. That's where I'm at. I'm just hesitant, very hesitant. Zelda Doodle Jump. No. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm with you, Britt. I also, when I saw this news, I was not thrilled in any way. And not just because I'm not like a big Zelda fan. I think Zelda's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just, I'm a Mario girl. Mm-hmm. But after what they showed with their Mario iOS game, I was incredibly disappointed. And so the, the idea that they're going to take... Zelda and also translated to a mobile experience. I was like, well, your first outing kind of left a lot to be desired. I don't know if I'm yep. going to want to pay $10 or however much they're going to charge for a Zelda game if it's going to, you know, have the microtransaction problem that mm-hmm. Mario did. Well, I think Britt nailed it on the head. Like, it has to be a series of mini games from the series. Like, you could have something with the Cuckoos mm-hmm. or you could have some something with like Lon Lon Ranch or whatever. I feel like that would work. But I feel like if they skinned it, like I, I, I honestly don't think they're going to make the same mistake with Super Mario Run uh, with Zelda. Um, I know the numbers came out about a month ago, but uh, Fire Emblem has mm-hmm. one tenth of the downloads of Super Mario Run, but it has like six or seven times the revenue mm-hmm. because more people are going in and investing in it, yeah. and it and it's engaging. So I feel like they won't make the same mistake twice. And I think if they're taking something so beloved like Zelda, considering uh, Breath of the Wild just came out, considering how invested they are in that series. I don't think they would go that route. I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt, but again, if it's like Zelda Flappy Bird... Oh, God. That's <laughs> that it. That would be not. the worst thing of Busting all Busting down the doors in Nintendo. What the... But yeah. So, I mean, I, th- yeah. I think the minigame thing could be really fun. You know, kill the cuckoos, 
smash the pots. Oh. You, you, I don't know, but I'm like you, Alex. I'm hesitant. I'm remaining hopeful. I'd like to think they know Nintendo knows what they're doing, but I don't even think Nintendo knows what they're doing half the time. So, what if it was a link dating sim? Ooh. <laughs> I'd play that. <laughs> Legend of Zelda Otome game. Yeah, but I don't think we know anything else about this Zelda mobile title at all. So there's not a lot to go off of. Yeah, no, it was just a story that the yeah. Wall Street Journal reported on, and then a bunch of other outlets picked it up. But speculation Yay. always a fun time. Yeah. Um. So in other news, public passes to E3 are sold out, ladies and gentlemen. Woo-hoo! If you did not buy your pass and you wanted to go, now Too you have bad. to buy it from a scalper, or you have to <laughs> for like a bajillion go. dollars. Um, so we are super excited about E3. We will be there doing some coverage for you guys and checking out some games. And hopefully if some of you out there listening have passes, we can maybe schedule some kind of a meetup somewhere at some point. Yeah. Um, See if we can make that happen. But what do you ladies think about, um, E3 being open to the public this year? I know Britt, you made a statement about it when the announcement originally happened Mm -hmm. and now seeing that it's sold out. Um, are you like super excited about it? even more or your feelings the same ladies do you have any thoughts for me so here's the thing like being a one-woman operation e3 is kind of like a pilgrimage right the first time you earn your e3 media badge you're just like yeah this is effing awesome i made it so i can see so from that standpoint it's not i don't want to say it's disappointing but it's kind of like you know you should really work hard to get your media badge that said, I feel like people can still work hard and eventually get their media badge. Now it's just easier for them to get the coverage that they may need to build their credentials by having access to E3. Um, you know, when I started, it was a much different area or industry in terms of, you know, it was easy to stand out. Nowadays, it's hard to stand out. So if any, if this helps people get their foot in the door, and that public passes help people like realize this is what they want to do. I'm all for it. Personally, when it comes to appointments, I don't think it's going to cause any issues. I think foot traffic might be a little heavier. But if you're covering E3 as media, you have appointments, you have meetings, you're going to be fine. Which is my opinion, my humble opinion. Yeah, yeah I'm think- going. Oh, go ahead. No, you go. You go, lady. No, well, I was just saying, like, um, the only truly. Well, actually, no, I've been to both TGS and Gamescom, which are like entirely public shows. Well, TGS has two private days and then it has public days. Um, and honestly, I've never been so scared for my life <laughs> on <laughs> the public days of those shows. Now, E3 hasn't gone like that. It hasn't sold that many tickets like to be on those levels. But no. um, the, my, the, only, the first panic attack I ever had was on the TGS show floor trying to walk from like someplace where I did have an appointment and I just couldn't do it. I was like, I had to get out of there. Um, again, I don't think that'll happen anytime soon, but it was just, do you know how many people are at that show? I'm legitimately curious. (sighs) I don't know the number, but they were packed and I was really scared. Okay. Cause I know E3 there with the 15,000 public tickets, they're expecting maybe 75,000 fans, which is on par with PAX, your typical PAX show, which isn't okay. Mm -hmm. It's not that bad. And then also the other thing to note is, um, companies are sort of starting to move outside of it anyway. So EA, like they're not where they used to be all those years and they're outside of the convention now. Um, So I'm kind of wondering, I'm really curious to see what happens to E3 in general, uh, because I just think the industry is changing and companies are changing their approach. And I don't I I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I feel like E3, like everything else is sort of turning more into a, a more consumer facing show, like 
media or traditional media as in like websites and like television channels and stuff are no longer um they're no longer the final the final gatekeeper Brittany, like you said you're you know self-made and you earned your badge and you got in and i feel like i feel like more companies are going straight for the consumer because the consumer at the end of the day is the person who's going to be buying the game right Mm -hmm. so i feel like this was a natural turn of things i'm sure you know with appointments and then people in the show floor uh, foot traffic probably bad appointments and getting in on time will probably be fine um I was a little surprised that they went full public this year, but I'm going to reserve my judgment until I see how the companies who stayed on the show floor handle the additional traffic, handle the handling of press and what lines are like. So I'm going to hold off judgment until after the show. And then I will either cry or be like, (laughs) (laughs) no crying. (laughs) All right. Um, (laughs) So our next story, Dimer, you might have some interesting thoughts about this. Yeah. This next story. So this was this generated quite a bit of buzz this week. So Netflix has announced they will produce The Witcher TV series, a new show based on The Witcher saga, the series of eight novels by Andres Sapowski. Did I say that right? I, I so. mean, ish. Yeah. I mean, how All do right, I, how sorry, do I say it? you've I've, you've been I've, to Poland? I have been to Tell Poland. Me. That doesn't mean that I can pronounce <laughs> <Speak> Poland. Monster, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's hear it. No, I no. <laughs> Everyone will judge me. I don't want that. Um, but I, I'm really glad that he's part of it because I was a little bit un, uncertain of um, whether or not they're just going to take the books or whether or not they were going to try and base it off the games or what like what they were going to do. But the fact that he's on board as like a creative consultant, I think that means it's going to be good. I bet Knock he's excited, too, because, <laughs> you know, he doesn't get any money for the game yeah. series at all. So right. Finally, so now he's like, this is brand. mine, bitches. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking about Netflix uh, with some people at the event today and kind of saying, you know, like, do they do anything wrong? And of course, uh, the group I was with was quick to point out Iron Fist as an example of doing something wrong. But I mean, overall, I think Netflix has really scored a lot of home runs in their original content department and even in their adaptations. Yeah. So I think, you know, because of, you know, our audience and how people who play video games tend to watch a lot of Netflix. I don't know why they necessarily go hand in hand. Um, I think it's, um, you know, a really good idea for Netflix to branch more into some video game ideas and really explore. Because I think a, a series usually lends itself to better storytelling opportunities for a video game than an adaptation to a movie, as we mm-hmm. saw evidenced by, you know, every pretty much every video game movie ever made. Mm-hmm. Well, they to just, be clear, though. This is the not constraints are, of time just aren't aren't beneficial. Right. But, but to be clear, this isn't adapting the video game. This is adapting the novel, the novel which came before yeah. the video game ever existed. So it's not I mean, I'm a little more concerned for gamers who don't quite realize this is what I'm concerned because I'm wondering if they're going to get into it and be confused. And and I mean, the characters are the same, but they're the all, relationships. You know, the relationships the are vastly yeah. different. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I do think uh, I'm just interested to see how this will go. Basically, I'm going to be in the back eating popcorn. <laughs> have, you, have you read the book? I've read some of them. I haven't finished all of them. OK, which one has more banging? <laughs> do they all have banging? I Should mean, I read this series? Genuine question. No, it's like it is a good question. I don't think there was that much sex in the ones that I read. 
There's some. Well, there's some, but it's not like I mean the game. Well, this is like, going to be a boring series. Softcore porn, you know. Um, and for, but for and, you know, Netflix doesn't do that much nudity. Like some people, I remember seeing on Twitter, they were like, "I wish it was HBO because we'd get the nudity." And part of me is like, "Just watch porn." <laughs> if they want Just boobs, watch porn. I mean, I let's. Carol. There's got to be Witcher porn out there. There's yeah, Overwatch oh, porn out there. Abs- I haven't Googled it, but I'm certain that there is Witcher porn out there. I mean, of course it. there is. There's like, there's like porn in the game. Pretty yeah, much. Game pretty is porn. much. Just make um, those cutscenes over again. Yeah, in real life. But this is kind of exciting. And, um, you know, we'll obviously have to wait and see what they do with it. If it's coming sometime soon. I'm excited um, to see whoever they cast. Yeah. Who would you pick? Who would you pick? I have no Maui idea. Co- is, is his name Maui, the cosplay god? Who's like makes the best girl ever, Christine? You mean Ben? Is that I don't know what's his stage his, name. His real name is Ben. Um, I don't know him like that. I actually don't know what his cosplay I think is. I think it's Maui cosplay. It's something like that, and he's yeah. the professional girl she's cosplay. I'm sure you've beautiful. seen. Beautiful. Yeah. He's a beautiful, beautiful man. Anyway, he doesn't just do Geralt. He does um uh, Solid Snake as well, uh, and he does the guy from Dishonored that I can't remember his name right now. Corvo. Yeah. There you Corvo. go. Yeah. yeah. What do you think, Andrew? Who would you pick? Uh, what to play Geralt? Yeah, I don't know. What what's taught me? What my experience in video games talking talking to voice actors has taught me is that movie studios and TV studios very rarely actually pick the person who would be good for the role, True. or who has voiced the role, or who has played the role. Mm-hmm. They are always like, "Oh, I'm going to pick this other person for various reasons." So. Quite frankly, I don't know. I don't really have a dog in the fight. I think The Witcher is a great series. I haven't read the books. I would like to read them. I love fantasy lit, so, but I just started The Wheel of Time over again. Ooh. Why? I don't know. Um, <laughs> just kidding. I love that series. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who they pick. Uh, maybe you guys who are listening and watching can leave us some comments and let us know who you think that they should pick or who you would like to see in that role. And we can you know chat with you about it in the yeah. comments. Yeah. So last news piece, since this segment is running way long. <laughs> um, South Park, the fractured butthole. Go ahead yes. and giggle. Yeah, nice. I can't <laughs> say it without smirking at least a little bit, but <laughs> finally has a release but date. Hole. This game has been delayed. What is this? The fourth time now? I and think it, so. Third or fourth yeah. time. It is October 17th, 2017. So this fall, Ubisoft has said it is coming. Some of my other um, journal buddies... <laughs> are like nope it's definitely not coming i was like i don't know i feel like this is the first uh, time they've given a like a firm date well, i guess that's yeah. not true they had a january no, date. A date last year <laughs> last year december <laughs> date yeah december <laughs> and then march and then like two weeks before it was supposed to come out like yeah, nothing so they were like oh well just kidding I I've heard some little little birds out there that your sources my sources guess the sources <laughs> Some little birds out there that uh, it's just been a really long development road, and then there's been a lot of creative changes working with. They, they've uh, not that Matt and Trey are hard to work with. I've heard it's been fine, but I've heard that there's just been a lot of last minute changes in terms of where the story is going and what they're doing with it. But everyone I've heard from says that like the mechanics are like down and have been down for a while. It's just wrapping back. If that makes oh, sense. Yeah, yeah. That makes so much sense. Yeah, pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Wrapping the package. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, I think fans of the first game are happy to wait as long as, you know, 
So long as it runs more smoothly, that was my only issue with the last game was that it was really choppy uh, frame rate wise. So if they just fix that, just keep keep them coming. I'm good. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. I'll stop. Have any of you gotten to play a demo of it? Yeah. No. Yes. Oh, wait. Yes, I played a demo of it like last year yeah. at some point. Um, and it was it was interesting the way that they have really expanded the combat in the game makes it I think much more engaging from a turn based RPG perspective. Um, I don't know what you thought about it, Britt. Yeah. Um, I thought I like the combat definitely a lot more strategy involved with it. And it's funny because um, the Stick of Truth, even though it's a Haha South Park game, it was actually a really good game. It was just oh, yeah. super good. And so I think there's a lot of, I don't know, pressure, but there's a high bar that they have to meet with this. And I think improving the combat like they have is a great first step. When I demoed it, I did the Nozzleless Rift, the little oh. fart thing. Oh, that yeah. Went, oh, oh yeah. you know, they tried to get me to do that. And I said, no, absolutely not. You're out of your mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I used it. And it was pretty, it was pretty bad. It smelled like rotting vomit. Um, but the demo, I mean, this was, gosh, like a long time ago, so I don't remember too much of it, but I remember walking away thinking, come now, you know, like what you know, because this, like you said, the third or fourth delay, and I think it's going to be a fantastic game and I'm just so jazzed for it. Yeah. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed that it actually comes out this fall. And, uh, that'll wrap up our first segment. Ladies, we did it. We made it through. Uh, a little long. Sorry about that, folks. Um, won't normally be this long, but there was a lot of news to get through. Um, and now we're going to take a really quick break, and then we are going to get into what we've been playing in our hands-on section. Don't go away. We'll be right back. everybody to our second segment of the night first off can i just say how awesome is our podcast music that mr dale north composed for us pretty great oh, right? so good it's Yay, amazing dale. awesome so catchy it's so catchy every time it comes on i just immediately start dancing just dancing stuff. um so this is our segment where we're talking about what we are playing and what we have played whether it be a game that's currently out or a game that we have previewed and um, I would uh, like to start with, uh, let's start with Alexa. You're playing, Me? You're playing Fire Emblem Heroes. Yes. Still. Still. Fire Emblem <laughs> Heroes mentioned earlier on this podcast. I've been, uh, I've been very busy as of late. I've had stuff going on. I have a book coming out in a few months. So I've been spending a lot of my free time editing it. Just dropping that in here. Uh, I wrote a book about Kingdom Hearts. But more on that you later. You can pre-order this book bossfightbooks.com or amazon.com it's on amazon now yeah so you can pre-order it digitally or physically we'll drop drop a link for you that in the show notes for you guys if you're interested in pre-ordering alexa's book and if you you can read it when you disagree with me we can go fight about it at pax um (laughs) i've been i've been really busy and i've been running around a lot so the thing that's been the the one gaming thing that's been around me consistently for the past couple weeks has been my phone and on my phone, I have Fire Emblem Heroes that I've already sunk 
uh, if you listened to me on the 8.4 podcast, over $100 in <laughs> microtransaction into, in an effort to get one Wait, character. How many dollars? Wow. One, I think I'm at 160 what? what? You're I a keep, whale. I've bought I've bought this game several times over. If it was a real game, if it was a real game. That sounds awful. That's if this awful. was if this it was a it I is a real game. Don't be that person. If it was a 3DS game, which is what Fire Emblem is typically on, I would have purchased it four times by now because they're about forty dollars. Um, so That's how they get I, that, that that is how they how they get you. I love strategy games and I love the Fire Emblem games. Uh, this game doesn't have any Fire Emblem Heroes does not have any of the story element that I really like to dive into with uh, with the regular Fire Emblem games. It's just small. Uh, it's a small story, very simple through line, like point A to point B. And then you have all these maps and there's three different difficulties. And I crunched through all of the available maps in like the first week that it was out on the market. But Nintendo keeps releasing special maps where you can recruit certain characters or special challenges where if you overcome them in a certain way, maybe with like a certain class on your team or uh, on a certain difficulty, you get rewards that can then help you level up your characters or upgrade their rarity or just just in general, make make your team a little bit more badass. And I have been completely sucked into it um, because what started out as an obsession to get my husband, though, talking to me from Fire Emblem Fates, uh, then I sunk $160 into became this. uh, It became the thing that I go to in the morning on my commute or when I come home and I'm laying in bed and I'm winding down. I'll just play a couple maps. I really like uh, I really like the the simplicity of just solving a puzzle like before I go to bed or when I wake up in the morning and it's become my thing. And now I have Fire Emblem Echoes sitting on my bed at home waiting for me to come home and make sweet, sweet love to it. Um, but, <laughs> but it's just I just I can't stop playing it. Have any of you like tried it? No, looked at no, it? but I saw you. I saw when I saw it on your phone when yeah, I was you did see weird. it on my phone in between yeah, our Patreon tape on his head. Oh, sweet baby D. Oh, yeah. is that your husband? Is that the guy? No, no uh, I don't. I don't have boy. my husband. Uh, I have. You're still I have trash boy. Your husband. I'm still missing my husband, but I have trash boy with the pot on his head. He's now a four star because I've I've spent Ooh. something like many 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 hours and like three million gems upgrading him or something. Wow. Does so. the pot upgrade to something better? Is it like a crock pot now? <laughs> like a crock pot on your fridge? Yeah, yeah, like that. <laughs> That's oh an idea gosh. for a character. A character of the crockpot. <laughs> I'm done. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, if you no. want to get addicted and spend a bunch of money on a mobile game, Pokemon Go. Well, it's just because she's trying to find a man. She's trying to find well, her husband. Well, yeah, I need to find my husband out, and then once I get him, I'll probably never play the game again. Is oh, what's going to happen? So yeah, you'll burn life. out. You'll burn out eventually. I had that. With a, a mobile game, The Hobbit Kingdoms of Middle Earth. Oh, yeah. I spent a lot of money on that game as well. Yeah. About the same as what you spent, maybe a little more. What made you stop? Um, it was too many hours in the day. Like, it was distracting me from my actual work. And I, know I the couldn't feeling. keep up. And I was part of three different alliances. And Ooh. the demands of my alliance members became too much. And they were always on our line. So, like, the line app is where we would talk about you know, like the moves that we were making and what purchases we were doing because um, 
in that game, if they would do these specials where if somebody in your alliance bought like a large pack of like in-game resources, like spent like a hundred dollars on the giant pack, everybody in your alliance would get a $25 pack. And so oh, we would mm-hmm. just, we, we would rotate who would spend like the big money so that everybody could share in the, in, in the, the little money of the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the little <Yeah>. money. <laughs> Dang. So it just became too demanding and, and like the, the, person that used to run the alliance like had stepped down and there, there was this new person running it and I didn't really like them very much and they were like hey if you don't have these kinds of stats you know you're at risk for being ejected from the alliance oh and I was like this God. is oh, come I was on like, this is business yeah. I was like this is getting too serious I played this for funsies and you guys were cool for a little while but now I'm done now I'm done with it but so. you probably like Fire Emblem because you don't play it with other people you play it alone She's trying to yeah. convert you. <laughs> okay, you can maybe try to sell me this after the show, but right now, I don't know. Um, Not having it. <laughs> so, Britt and Steimer, you are both playing Persona 5 right now. Nothing yeah. Come, nerd. Yes. Ooh. God, it's such so, a good game. That um, was my nice song. How far along are you into the game? Which season are you in or whatever? I, I just crossed 102 <laughs> what is it? hours. What month? No, days. Say what days? Date. I don't know. Say what the date. I haven't played it yet. Brett. Uh, December. Oh, shit. You're in December? 15th. Yeah, I'm 102 hours into this bad boy. Like, okay, I'm, I'm in October. Okay. Very, very beginning of October. So I am so. way ahead of you. I won't spoil anything. Yeah. Spoilers suck. Yeah. But, Christine, I'll let you start. Because I, yeah. Oh, because I'm, I, I I'm not as far. Um. The one thing that I'll say, it's not it's not spoilery at all, but I will say that I've been super impressed with the variety um, in the dungeons. Mm. So if you go back and play Persona 4, a lot of the dungeons are, I mean, they're fairly similar in layout and style and like they, they, they're reskinned very differently. But the way they do them in this game, in Persona 5, they're vastly different and I was just like, holy shit. They Okay, why are you laughing? <laughs> I see it. I She's see laughing it. because like, I dropped up. my laptop on the table and it probably made a big thud in the microphones. <laughs> oh, Sorry to everybody listening. Okay. I was it's like, okay. am I We're saying good. something funny? I'm just talking about dungeon design. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. Britt, do you agree, disagree? I do. No, so the... Okay, I can't... Yes, the dungeons, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, but they're very... Yeah, you can just talk e- about the variety. Each dungeon has its own theme and its own mechanics, and that is definitely... It makes the dungeons much more enjoyable to traverse, and you will spend several hours in each dungeon. So that's good and all. Yeah, um, and it doesn't, but- it doesn't follow the same formula, which is what kind of no. what I'm getting at. So it's not like you always enter and, like, go to level three, and then, like, something happens, and then you go to level six, and something happens. Like, right. that's not how it is at all, which I really actually liked a lot. So, so I love you- Persona 5. Hold on, sorry, real quick. I love Persona 5 so much. It's like I can't stop playing it. I would play it all day if I could. So there's no argument there, and I think the majority of people agree. But, Christine, like, where I'm really curious to hear your feedback on is with the characters and the writing. Because until the right, there's... Okay, so a little while ago, I don't know if you guys remember this, there was a big hubbub about Persona 5's writing and the... Um, Alexa, you probably know more about this, but the translations from mm-hmm. Japanese to English... Um, and once I read that, I think it all kind of clicked with me because even though at that point I was like 80 hours into the game, I didn't really feel any connections with any of the characters and I couldn't quite understand why. Um, when I'm playing a Bioware game within 20 hours, I'm immediately like, I'm drawn to these people and I just want to like know every like aspect of their life. But with Persona 5, even now a hundred hours into it, I really don't care. So Christine, do you find yourself feeling that same way or are you super attached to the characters? I'm not attached to most. Well, 
There's some that I appreciate more than others. Um, I think Makoto is awesome. I also feel for Futaba. I really like her. Mm -hmm. Um, I just got the new chick and I already forgot her name. Um, So that tells you something. (laughs) Haru? (laughs) What? Haru? Yes, yes, Haru. Um, But, and I think, like, I like... Uh, Yusuke, but that's mostly because it's voiced by Matthew Mercer. <laughs> and so <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. I know him. That's cool. Um, but, uh, and I'm, it's been a while since I've even gotten to play it, honestly. Uh, it's been a few days. It's been like actually like a week. Um, mm. So things are a little fuzzy on that end. But yeah, I'm not, it's hard for me to say yet. I want to finish the game and like really. Because I played Persona 4 three times. So I'm obviously very attached to those characters because I spent 300 hours with them. Um, And I don't want to judge these characters yet without doing the same kind of a thing, you know? No, that makes sense. I think Persona 4's character, though, their characters, though, they were much more distinct. And I read this in the article and it raises a really good point that if you read a line of dialogue, you'll know immediately which character it was from because of the certain quirks and slang that that character uses. Whereas if you look at the dialogue in Persona 5, a lot of the characters are indistinguishable between their dialogue. It's hard to tell who said that. I don't know that I agree with that. Oh, really? Oh, really? Because... Oh, really? I'm, and I'm, I'm feeling like such a dick right now because I can't remember the first, the blonde kid's name who's like the Ryuji. first guy you meet. Ryuji. Ryuji. Oh my God. I'm like, I see you and you annoy he's, the shit out of me all the time. I hate him so much. He's a special uh, case. I agree yeah, with him. Like, yeah. He's, he's very distinct and he to is, me extremely sure. abrasive and I don't really enjoy him as a character. Um, and Yusuke, I kind of, he's very melancholy, right? Like he's just sort of chill. Like but I feel like if you're going to look at, sorry, like Yusuke and Makoto and like look at their lines, we don't have to get this big persona discussion, but it's just a point. Anyway. You no, know, I can all. see what you're saying with, yeah, because they're, because Makoto and him are very formal. Um, so I could see it technically, yeah, if you took out some of their lines of dialogue that were just text, you might be like, well, it could be either of them. Toss a yeah. coin. Anyway. So my, my question for you two, I already know my answer, but I wanted to ask you, Andrea, have you played a Persona game? Nope, never. Not once. Would this be a good game for someone? Do, do, you, do you think that this would be a good entry into the series for someone who has never played a Persona game or a Shin Megami Tensei game? Do they like JRPGs? No. No. Then no. Let's, Don't play okay. this game. What about yes? <laughs> <laughs> if yes, no. I then so. I would say give it a shot. What I tell people is it's quirky. It's unlike any other JRPG you've probably played before with the calendar system and how you have to manage every day and build up your attributes and build relationships. So that part of it is fun. And even if you don't like JRPGs, because I mean, the combat and the dungeons are an integral part of Persona 5, but it's not the main focus by any means. So you might be able to find like, you enjoy spending your day as a care- as a school kid. And then the dungeons are just a side piece. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's side, side ass. No, but- <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh my uh, god. Frey, I wanted to actually talk with you. And actually, Alexa, have you played it at all? You play. Yeah, right? I'm about 35 hours in. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. So something that I find might just be me, and so that's why I want to like get your guys' feedback. I've found myself not enjoying Persona 5 as much as I think I would because I'm stressing myself out about the time management because I've had to play persona four three times 
And so now I have anxiety every time I can't do something in the evening and Morgana tells me to go to bed and I want to punch the cat in the face. Yeah. Because I'm like, no, I have things to do. I should stay up late and like make some lock picks or I should be reading this book or like so doing I, laundry. I don't know if you guys feel that way or not. I do. I feel like the time management, I feel like they went at the risk of enlarging this a little more and then we can wrap this up. But I feel like you hit it on the head. The time management in that game is stressful between Morgana telling you to go to bed and like cutting you <laughs> off at the end of the night and you have to do your homework, do laundry, do all this other stuff. And then these dungeons that take like many, many in-game days to complete. I feel like I never have enough time, which is why I've walked away from it because mm. I don't play games to like get more stressed out. That's what I have a life for. Right. <laughs> I just yeah. don't. So like maybe it gets better after 35 hours. I don't know. But uh, no, once we all finish it, <laughs> once we all finish it, we should definitely talk about it. And maybe yeah. Andrea can play a little bit with us. Yeah, maybe and we can stream it or something. Yeah. Um. So. I know you both have been playing some other stuff, too, but I really wanted to talk about um, Dreadnought. So Ooh. I got invited by Greybox publisher of Dreadnought to come and play this brand new PS4 exclusive mode that is going to be uh, launching. So if you guys aren't familiar, uh, Dreadnought is a game created by a studio called Jaeger. Um, They have made some other games that you might have played. A lot of people know them from Spec Ops The Line. Much uh, Dreadnought is not like that game at all. Um, <laughs> this is a, a, a multiplayer focused game because it is multiplayer only. And it is essentially a hero shooter with spaceships. So it's not just like your average spaceship. It's obviously Dreadnoughts, very giant, oh. big spaceships. They do have just- some smaller, more agile ships in the game. But I mean, the real stars of the game are these big, bulky, you know, warships essentially flying through the sky. So have any of you played Dreadnought? It's been in a closed beta for a while now. It's going to go into open beta soon. And um, it's, they've been showing this game for about two years now. I've seen it. I have a code. I just haven't played it. Yeah, Aww. I haven't played it either. And when you're when you just seeing the word dreadnought, my mind doesn't go to space. My mind goes to like pirate or like like real <laughs> ships in the water. Real ships. Real yeah. ships. <laughs> real ships. I mean, like a spaceship is a real ship. It is a it's- real ship, but they don't really exist that way yet. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, maybe just agree to disagree. Um, what's what's interesting about this game versus other kind of space combat games that are out there, you know, games like Eve come to mind um, as like a, 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 big, a big example is that this is more of like a like a drop in and drop out kind of experience. You don't need to put a lot of time into building a strategy into customizing your ship. There is customization. And, you know, once you start to play it a little bit more, there will be you know, modes that require, you know, certain levels of strategy involved. But what's kind of fun about it is that you can kind of just jump into like a team elimination or team deathmatch mode and pick one of the ships from the, I think it's four available classes. And then you, you know, just kind of jump in there and and go for it. The first time I played this game, I did not like it. Full stop, was not <laughs> interested, did not care. I was like, spaceships aren't my thing. And then I went back and tried it again the second time over a year later. So clearly, you know, several advances were made in the build of the game. And I found myself, you know, really having a good time with it. I think 
like most multiplayer games, you need to practice a little bit to really get a good feel for how the mechanics are going to work. And when you play a multiplayer game and you die a lot, it's frustrating <laughs> and it's easy to immediately stop liking something because you're like, this game sucks. Rage quit. Because I whatever. suck at it, so it sucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and it's an easy trap to fall into. I personally have fallen into that trap. And it's oh, just yeah, like, absolutely. you know, you just got to practice. And so I, I practiced a little bit and played a few rounds. And I had a really good time. And they the new mode that I got to play is called Havoc. And it's essentially like horde mode in space. So um, you have a team. Uh, it's 3VE, I guess you could call it. Uh, it's a PVE mode where essentially you and your teammates take on waves of ships. And it's endless. It's endless waves. And so there are boss waves. And there are a variety of different objectives in certain waves. And... It's um. It was a really great way to kind of get a feel for the space combat without you know going straight into a PvP experience. And this is available on PC. Um, so if you guys are PC players and you want to give it a go, I believe the. I mean, I'll I'll look it up when the open beta it goes live. It might actually be live now. They were in limited closed beta before. Actually, it is live right now. I think what they told me was that it was like a soft launch. They didn't like promote. That it was open. So like if you guys are interested in checking out, you know, a, a space hero shooter uh, and you are playing on PC, it's coming to PS4 soon. When you say it's like horde mode, do you mean at all any of the traps and strategy behind that? Because like I, that's what I think of when I think of Gears. Like I think Gears of War horde and I think of like, OK, we have to like build defenses around this one area because they're coming that way. Is it like that or no? Or no. Just- so there's no like tower defense element to the game at all. There is just, you know, protecting each other and surviving the waves. Okay. Um, and so you have different types of ships. So what's kind of neat about it is that once you die in the game in Havoc mode, you become a different type of ship. So mm. like, let's say you pick, mm. for example, you know, like an artillery cruiser at the beginning and which is like the sniper class, and you die, you get killed by an enemy in one of the waves, you then become a smaller, more agile ship. They becomes more of like a support character until the next wave, and, and then you respawn as your original ship. But mm, it's an interesting it. idea that it kind of teaches you to be strategic and to be a little bit more defensive in your combat because you want to keep your original ship because that's the more powerful of the ships, but the little ones are kind of fun to zip around in, but they're <laughs> really squishy, especially when going up against, against some of these uh, these bigger, you know, spaceships that you could play against. But um, I had a good time with it. Um, so if you guys want to check that out, you can head over to graybox.com and uh, check out Dreadnought. So, cool. um, And then the last thing I wanted to talk about was Prey. So I Ooh. finished Prey. Uh, How long was it? So I went start to finish with, like, I'd say probably 80% of the side quests in 27 hours. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a decent, that's a decent yeah. size game. I will say I played it on easy difficulty because I started on normal and then I thought I was going to throw my controller against the wall. And so I dropped mm-hmm. it down to easy. Oh. And it still was really difficult. Probably the most <sighs> difficult time I've had playing a game on easy in, like, recent why, memory why uh, do you think that was i haven't played it so i'm when you say that i'm like intrigued yeah. i'm like why what is what's going yeah. on here that, yeah that so, hurts my heart because i i suck at shooters real quick and so i always play on easy mode full disclaimer and so for you to say that and i'm sure you're 10 times better at shooters than i am i don't know what the hell i'm gonna do well here's the thing though is that prey really isn't 
uh, a shooting focused game. So it is a first person game. So for people who aren't familiar with Prey, it was Bethesda's new game that came out that was developed by Arcane, the same people who made Dishonored. And it features a protagonist named Morgan Yu. You can choose to play as a female Morgan or as a male Morgan, which is cool. They let you pick your gender at the beginning of the game. And you are you wake up on this space station and you discover that your brother and you have kind of been ex- doing these this experimental testing with alien technology and it has gotten wildly out of control. And what you spend most of the game doing is exploring the space station Talos one and trying to put the pieces together for what is this technology? What can it do? Why is it so dangerous? What happened to all of the different people who were aboard the space station with you? Mm. And it's got this really kind of dark, gritty vibe. And when I, I played this game a couple of times in preview builds before I played the final you know, game, which is out now. And I didn't really think, a lot of people were saying that it felt a lot like Bioshock in a lot of ways. And I didn't think mm. it did until I got about 10 hours in. And then I was like, wow, it really feels like Bioshock now without the really fantastic shooting elements that Bioshock had. Um, mm. So there's there are, you know, you have your basic guns. You have a, silence, uh, a silenced pistol. You have a shotgun. And then you eventually will get um, like a stun gun um, as well. And then there's a a bigger gun, the Q beam, which is like a kind of like a laser gun. Um, but that's really about it for weapons. And then you, the weapon you, that I so found myself using the most. Bees. No, you can't throw bees. Dang, you can, you can do a, a variety of other 10. cool things. When when do you turn into a coffee cup? So great question. What? So that was like their big thing in a lot of the trailers was like this mimic. So the mimic is one type of typhon. So the typhon are this alien menace that. You know, this technology that they've brought is what you're what you're studying. And you take their technology and you inject it into yourself through things called neuromods. And you become a coffee cup. Uh, yes. So there are <laughs> six different skill trees. You start the game. <laughs> I'm being reductive. You start reductive. the game with three, with three skill trees, which are like the human skill trees. And then at a certain point in the game, you unlock the three alien skill trees. And the first power that I unlocked in the alien skill trees was of course the mimic ability where you can point your reticule at any object in the world and use like your mana or your PSI to transform into that object. And and that's any object, right? Like there's no, is it like it's for stealth? Yeah. So for stealth is, is the biggest reason, but I used it for the most to get into places where I couldn't fit. So, ah. for example, they have these security booths all over Talos and they have this little window, like a like a pass through where you would like slide money or an envelope or something like at a bank. Mm-hmm. Like there's a giant glass wall and there's like a little pass through window. And so in order to get into the into the security office, like into the safe or to the, unlock the door, collect any loot that's in there, I would find something small either in my inventory if I had like a, a can of soda or something or a coffee cup. And then you would look at the coffee cup and then you would shrink down into the coffee cup and then you kind of hop around. All you can, <laughs> hop in the coffee cup? Yeah. yeah. Wait, you can hop so around and then like you can Beauty roll and the too. Beast role playing. I want to do like chip or I want to do exactly a prey run in my head. I want to do a prey run where I play the entire second half when I unlock that skill tree just as 
the coffee cup. An object. Well, like, is it possible? No, it's limited. So because it runs oh. on like a mana system, oh. you can only transform for a certain amount of seconds before you run out of your PSI. And then How you fast to, is it? It's like the longest I think you can really be. I didn't upgrade that all the way, but I think it's like 15 or 20 seconds. All right. So not so you're not have to long. Play it 15 to 20 seconds at a time. And then <laughs> you would have, you would, be you would have to find lots of PSI hypos. So like you, the way that it works is that there's these giant needles. It, it feels like it just feels so much like Bioshock in that way. It's oh, like like sticking injecting your yeah exactly. Mm. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. Maybe I'll stream it. It's we'll like, yeah, you can do like it. 300 hours because you'll have to wait and oh my just gosh, yeah. then wait. Um. <laughs> I did. What I really loved about this game was the the story and the world building. I think Arcane is really fantastic about it. I will say some of the combat instances really had me frustrated from a design perspective. And the autosave system is not great. You have to quick save constantly because mm. there will be there would be times when I would make a lot of progress through a level and I hadn't saved and I would die in an enemy encounter and then I would have to go back and do it all over again. It was uh, that's super, super no. frustrating. And there's a large portion of the game that you spend outside the space station in a spacesuit, like floating around the exterior of the space station, looking for other entryways into the space station, looking for dead bodies that are floating out there. Cause you're like, Oh, I need to go grab this key card off of a body that's floating somewhere outside the space station. And the Yum. movement pace is so molasses slow like super super slow as you're moving it's through hard space to move in space i know like it's that realistic <laughs> i guess in that sense but i just space, got so <laughs> bored there was this one timed mission where i had to go find this guy who was locked inside of a crate and he was running out of air uh -oh. and it was like the, count there. the countdown timer was going and i was uh -oh. panicking uh -oh. i was like Oh my gosh, where's this guy? And it's just like moving so slow <laughs> in space. Like, I swear I'm like, going oh as fast as I can. I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm not trying crazy. to let you die, I promise. Yeah. Um so that was that was frustrating. Um but Does it remind the, you of all of Dead Space, or is that like too far of a connection to try to make? Um, no, because I felt like Dead Space was more of a thriller than this game mm -hmm. was. This game was, you know, definitely had thriller elements because you're pretty much alone almost the whole game. You do come across some NPCs, but you don't really spend much time with them. Um, and so I felt like I really wasn't connected to any of them. And so it got to a point in the game where I was getting close to the end where I said, you know what? I don't really even care about going to do this thing for this NPC because. I could kind of telegraph what was going to happen at the end of the game. And obviously I don't want to spoil anything for, mm -hmm. for anybody. And then I was like, it, it kind of made me feel like maybe some of these missions were a waste of my time. And uh, I think that yeah. that's a problem that a lot of open world games sometimes can suffer from. And this isn't a, like a true open world game because um, it's like instanced areas instead of, you know, being able to freely roam as you wish through the station. But it just kind of felt like the there were throwaway relationships with with some of the NPCs, and I felt like they could have made them more meaningful since they were so few and far between. Mm -hmm. The story that is between you and your brother is really inter interesting, and it it has a really unique kind of twist at the end um, that made it redeeming. Um, and I 
I, I kind of left my experience with the game very torn because I mm. wanted to finish it and I felt compelled to finish it. And I thought they did some really interesting things, but I have no desire to go back and ever attempt to play that game again because it was the, the combat was so maddeningly difficult. So, cause, so these enemies that you playing against, the, the Typhon, mm-hmm. they are these kind of black stringy blob things um, that are in various forms. The little guys, the mimics are the ones that kind of crawl on the ground like spider-like and they jump on your face. Oh, no. Like, nice. Literally, that right. is. No. Um, and then they have the phantoms, which are more humanoid. They walk, they have arms, but they can like teleport arms? to you. Arms. Oh, yeah. No, not those yeah. kind of arms. <laughs> um, and then, they, then there's other ones like the weaver, which is a floating kind of blob thing. And then they get more advanced. There's a, 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 a telepath and a technopath. And then there's this thing called the nightmare. Oh, I oh, wonder what that one wonderful. is like. Yeah, no, Andrea, name please. is literally the nightmare. <laughs> um, and when you first come across the nightmare, so the nightmare is this giant beast of a typhon that has been sent by like the typhon overlords to come and take you out because they have discovered that you are putting their technology into your body. And they're like, we must kill that thing because they don't see <laughs> you as an ally. As you become, as you increase the alien skill tree, you become more and more typhon and like there's these auto turrets around the space station that will start attacking you because you have so much typhon in your Mm. blood and Mm. so they send the nightmare to put you down because they're like what is this abomination half typhon thing you're not one of us you must be stopped (laughs) one of us one of us and the first time you exactly the first time you meet this character you can't defeat him you're not you're not strong enough you have to run they say you can defeat it it's like you must flee or defeat the nightmare and i attempted to defeat him <laughs> and nope. you were like no no, no. <laughs> not to be done just um, run away <laughs> but there's like a countdown clock so you have to like escape from him for like three minutes oh god that's too, oh, that's that's too long yeah. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> uh, i hate I mean, three minutes countdown timers but the game does and i hate scene scary and- things chasing me yeah. For three yeah. minutes. Yeah. For three I, minutes. No. That's a long time to be stressed out. Yeah, I was I was hopeful that this game maybe could have been a dark horse for, you know, one of the top games of the year. Um, and it just didn't quite make it there for me. And uh, I was a little disappointed by that. But um, if you like dark and gritty, if you loved Bioshock, if you have liked the worlds of Dishonored, then, um, you know, you might really like Prey. And it, it has some, you know, really great aspects to it and some frustrating ones maybe if you're a more patient person and you like to stealth more because i think really my biggest problem was i just wasn't stealthing quite enough Mm. um then you know you know give it a try check it out there there's a free demo so if you guys don't want to buy it if you want to just play the demo that's available on uh did you play dishonored andrea yes loved it so would you say because i didn't i mean i like i was kind of like mediocre on it and one of the things that frustrated me about dishonored was i was trying to stealth but dear god it was really hard like for whatever reason there would be and especially because if i had died and like respawned into a safe ish area like i would sometimes respawn up on this balcony but some dude like down the street and around the corner was alerted to me i'm like how does this guy have x-ray glasses i don't understand 
Um, so it mostly ended up with me murdering everyone, but it wasn't the way I wanted to play it. It was just chaos, how though. Chaos. it happened to go because I just couldn't seem to, no matter like how slowly, like some, I would legitimately be like, okay, we're really going south this time. Move like an inch at a time, like through this level, look around every corner, make sure like pull myself over here. Yes. Okay. I'm still good. And yet it, it would still, it would never work out the way everyone I to. tries to be stealthy with dishonored within five minutes. It's just pure chaos. So yeah, you're, you're not just alone. Like, okay. Screw it. I'm just murdering everyone. So my point was, is <laughs> just murdering was, was, everyone. Did you, would you, <laughs> would you say pray was any, or did you not even try to play a prayer like that? Like, I'm just wondering, cause this are made by arcane. I was wondering right. if it's kind of so similar. Was- where there was no, um, there was nothing similar to the chaos system. I mean, there are some choices that you can make narratively that will determine, you know, that will affect the outcome of the game, but nothing to the extent that Dishonored built in uh, with the chaos system. Um, I'm not even talking about the chaos system. I just mean purely like, the, did from you the ever find trying to play stealth and then being like, this isn't working. Um, I have to go full. Balls no, out, like. no, because you're so underpowered in that game and the resources that was one of my most frustrating parts of the game. The resources are so scarce. You're constantly having to scavenge. I felt like I was always out of bullets. And the yeah. wrench, mm. like unless you upgrade it, upgrade your stamina and upgrade your health, you have this wrench and you can't upgrade the wrench. Like it's never going to get more powerful. It's just a wrench. Well, I mean, there, there are things in the skill tree that will make your attacks more powerful, but the weapon itself doesn't do more damage. Okay. Um, it just... I felt it's like just I was a wrench, always, Andrea. It can only do so much. I know, but like <laughs> just a wrench. That's why I always wanted to use my guns, but like it took <laughs> so many bullets to put these enemies down, even in yeah. easy mode, that mm. I was constantly having to craft bullets. And then in order to craft bullets, you need to collect this variety of resources. And it's not really clear, you know, at first which resources you have to break down. So like the way that the the crafting and the resource system works is Throughout the world, you see things you pick up. You pick up a, a crumpled piece of paper, a banana peel. You pick up, um, so it's you know, like, yeah, yeah, it's fallout. It, it, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like you're pick searching trash, and you make something. You're with searching it trash cans to pick up literally literal trash, and then you go to this machine called the recycler, and you put your items in there, and it breaks them down into the crafting materials. You collect the crafting materials, and then you have to go to another machine called the fabricator. And then each of the different items, your your nine millimeter bullets, your shotgun shells, you know, your batteries for your stun gun all take a different recipe of the crafting items. And so then you have to look and see, Okay, well, I need two more pieces of mineral material and another piece of like biomaterial. So I need to go find the things that I can then break down into and put in the recycler to get the raw materials I need to put into the fabricator to make the things that I need to just get through the next That's a hallway. Lot of steps. It's very high maintenance. Oh my gosh, it was it was infuriating <laughs> no. after after a while. And I can only imagine how difficult it must be on the harder difficulty modes. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, so yeah, yeah, it's it was a whole thing. This segment's gone on of course for too long. You guys I have to tell you guys that are listening, our goal was to make these segments about 20 minutes each. And both of these segments <laughs> have gone far beyond that. So apologies, oh, well. apologies for that. But um, we're, we're, we're working out the kinks. We're working yeah, out the exactly. Kinks. Thanks for sticking with us. It sounds um, like we're all going to have to check out Prey because now that you've talked so much about it, now I want to go and actually get into it so we can talk about this more. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, it could be an, it can go on the streaming Prey list as well. Club. Yeah. Coffee um, cup run. All right, so I think we should probably wrap up this hands-on segment. 
this is a segment I think, you know, we'll all be looking forward to every week because talking about what we're playing is, you know, one, one of the reasons why we wanted to do this show. Yeah. So um, let's take another quick break and we will head into our grab bag section. segment and this week we have to devote this entire segment to destiny 2 the big reveal of the gameplay happened today both steimer and i were in los angeles at the jet center for the event and got hands-on with multiple modes in destiny 2 so um what's good ladies about it yeah so actually before we get into our hands-on with uh destiny what did you two think of the um or Alexa, let's start with you. What did you think of the presentation? You're not a big Destiny player. I did not play Destiny. I looked at it for maybe 20 minutes. I didn't play it. I'm going to play Destiny 2. I feel like, you know, it'd be an interesting perspective. One, to get someone who's going into Destiny 2 without having played Destiny 1. Two, everyone I know plays it or is still playing it or played it for a while. So I feel like I would like to. You want to be part of the club. I want to be part of the club. Yeah. I want to be part of the, the cool club. Cool. What about you, club? Um, uh, I, I, so I love, oh, oh, did you say Brit? I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah, no, I did. I, did, I thought you were done. Oh no. I thought it was a really good presentation, but it looks like, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I did not play destiny. It looks like destiny 1.5. We'll that get to is that. That is incorrect, but yes. Okay. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. Brit, what did you think? So I, I love destiny for the cooperative aspect. I don't do PVP. So I like to go through the story with a friend or friends if I have any that month. Um, and just Aww. kind of explore around. <laughs> I like to explore the areas and I like to find treasure and just kind of dink around. I feel like it's a really good game to lose yourself in. And where I always burned out, because I've gone through Destiny twice now, is when there's no fresh content. Um, you know, I can only do the strikes so many times, the, uh, I don't even know what they're called, the things where you have to go through like three or four waves before you get to the end. It's cooperative, three players. You think I don't remember the name. Are of you thinking about Prison of Elders? Yes, that's exactly what I'm thinking of. I like doing that yeah. kind of stuff, but yeah. PvP isn't my thing. So when they were talking about uh, exploration and how it's supposed to be these vast new big worlds and so much bigger than the other maps, that's what got me really excited. Um, I kind of tuned out some of the PvP stuff because, like I said, I just don't care. But that's I'm right. excited about, yeah, the co-op stuff and the um, maps and exploration is where I'm all jazzed. Okay, that's fair. Is Steimer, you had said that you weren't really into PvP either, that you also liked the PvE components of the game. Um, how far into Destiny did you play again? I have two, I think I have two characters that are the level cap. Not the light level cap. Because Which is really difficult the, to get. The OG level cap. like To level 40. <laughs> yeah, so I, I leveled to that, um, played for a little while longer, Saw the grind because again, like I'm, I've played a lot of MMOs, so I'm like, I recognize what you're doing here, and I don't feel like doing it, so I quit. <laughs> That's fair. It's the, the 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 grind is not for for everybody. Um, 
I've played all the way up through uh, the current content. I did all of all of the expansions and have been playing in the Age of Triumph. Uh, Rise of Iron was great. Not as good as, um, you know, the uh, Taken King, which was clearly the best of the expansions. But I think, you know, I was personally super, super hype. If you guys follow me on Twitter, mm-hmm. you saw my enthusiasm <laughs> about about Destiny 2. I've played many, many hours, hundreds and hundreds of hours of Destiny, and I, I love it. I love all aspects of it. It took me a while to get into PvP, I'll fully admit. Um, but practice makes perfect, as we were talking about in the first segment when we were talking about arms. Um, but, <laughs> you know, uh, I think they did some really great things with the announcement today. I think that they added some things that the community really wanted. I think adding the map and having these more discoverable adventures oh, that they talked about uh, looks yeah. good. I made the joke that, wow, I can't believe that it took them this long to get a map in the game. <laughs> I don't I mean, understand true, that. Yeah. I don't want to dwell on it. But what the what anyway? Yeah. I'm thrilled that we have a map finally because before I'd have to go to YouTube and be like, okay, how do I get to like this drop? And I'd yeah, yeah, cluster. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was bad. And then not having to go to orbit, you know, between picking mm-hmm. activities is also another thing. I think the big announcement today was guided games. This idea that you can kind of matchmake with people within the game itself without having to use like a third party app or another website to kind of get your fire team together. Because one of the biggest problems about doing some of the best content in Destiny, um, Nightfalls, Raids, Prison of Elders, is that you have to have somebody on your friends list who's going to play with you because you can't do, you know, public matchmaking. And now they're, you know, fixing that. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the new clan system will work in Destiny. I'm part of a clan right now on, on PS4. And... You know, most of my clan stopped playing after the Taken King, which was kind of a bummer for me because I really enjoyed, you know, particularly the Iron Banner stuff that came around uh, with Rise of Iron. And I really didn't have anybody to play with. And, uh, you know, I trying to get through the 390 raids was almost impossible. I've only done one. I've only done the Vault of Glass at 390 because I just can't get six people or five people plus myself together for to sit down and do it. And so... I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I do want to let everybody listening and watching know we're going to have a separate Destiny video. Uh, Your questions answered by Bungie. A bunch of you sent us questions on Twitter. I sat down with their head of community along with Steimer and we grilled them and we asked them the questions. (laughs) And we have some really great gameplay capture uh, of the new strike, the inverted spire and of the PvP mode. Uh, that they announced and that you guys can check that out. It will be going up uh, later this weekend. But Steimer, we both got hands yeah. on with we did this first story mission in the campaign. Mm-hmm. Ooh. What did you think? Felt like Destiny. Felt like, like the same. Felt like oh, no. the same. And that's the thing that I guess <laughs> I was I was puzzled by and because to me, when marketing comes out and beats the drum of two, right? They're like, Destiny 2. Look at that big ass two. Look at that big ass, exactly. Two, two. Look at that big ass two. That makes you want to think that this is something far beyond what the original was. And I just didn't feel that way. They had some great additions. Don't get me wrong. Like the map. Great. You have a map. Like genius um and then you know you added clans which to me i guess destiny one felt like they were building a first person shooter mmo by people who hated mmos um to me because like they didn't add in any of 
the elements of like you randomly get to meet people and make friends and like enjoy each other's company and they I think they just went too far with the everybody's toxic mentality uh because I personally playing MMOs haven't really actually found a lot of that. I mean, once you start to go to the more competitive stuff, sure. But when you're out in the world, most people aren't going to be mean to you. Um they're just trying to also find something cool like you are. Uh and in Destiny there's not a lot of that because they didn't have a map, they didn't really have anything to do. You're just kind of wandering around. Hoping, <laughs> yeah, and waiting, no, you're right. That was wishing. certainly a, a problem. Um I mean, they put in some more unique patrols in these kind of public instanced areas, you know, throughout the various years and the, you know, expansions and stuff that they added, but it still was not close to, you know, some of the great MMOs that are out there. And, you know, it's a hybrid game. They call it a shared world shooter. I never felt compelled to interact with anybody in the, you know, PVE elements. I felt like I was doing that content purely to get to different gear that I could then take into the more cooperative elements the strikes prison of elders the raids pvp you know like i would grind to get exotics or grind to get some of the legendary weapons or gear because it made me more powerful in other parts of the game and i think they've recognized that and that's why they're you know going to make these you know open world areas more interesting and going to add more public things and kind of give you uh, like the treasure map thing that they were talking about, how, oh, we're going to give you a reason to go on this adventure and explore right. this part of the world because you're going to get a piece of loot at the end of it. Um, I think that those changes all sound good. I think the kind of criticism that it feels like Destiny 1.5 is fair. As much as I'm excited for Destiny and I love Destiny now, so I Destiny 1.5 is totally A-OK mm-hmm. with me. I get that it's a tough sell, especially when Luke Smith comes on stage and says, you know, we lost like 50% of our players doing most of the content. We want to get people back. 50? Yeah. So they said that for like for the end game content, for like the best content, like raids and things like that. So they, you know, like a lot of the, the drop off was steep for them. And a lot of people, you know, played Vanilla Destiny and were like, this is terrible and left and never came back. Vanilla Destiny. Right? Yep. Um, and, <laughs> and like, no matter how much I was like, but it's better now, guys. Like, the, the grind is not so bad. People are like, nah, I got other stuff to play. And I think yeah. they didn't do a good enough job of selling why Destiny 2 should get them excited. Because mm-hmm. I, quite frankly, the story is only compelling if you are involved in the world already. Like, I got really moved and got chills watching those cinematics because I've spent so much time with these characters and spent so much time in the world. But they don't need to sell me on Destiny. Mm-hmm. They need to right. sell people they like Steimer and, like and Alexa, right? They need to sell you yeah. guys on a reason why you either want to start it for the first time or, like, you two, you want to come back to it and enjoy, you know, those elements that, that you experienced. And I don't think they quite did that. And that's disappointing because I have so much love for this franchise. I wanted other people to be excited about it, and they just weren't. I mean, yeah. Summer, I'd like to know from you, like, what do you think they could have done differently to maybe get gotten you a little bit more excited? The one thing I thought was sort of strange, and maybe it's not for you as a seasoned Destiny player, but when I think of, like, two, brand new game, new shit, I think new class. Like, I was expecting a new guardian type to emerge somehow from all of this. 
And for them to be like, no, we're really just doubling down on these subclasses. I was disappointed. Like, I want more. I want different things. I want somebody who looks new and shiny so that maybe going back and re-leveling somebody won't feel as stale or like samey. Um, because they all they all still look the same. They all have the exact same profile. Um, yes, the gear that they showed off looked pretty cool. But I, the one problem I always kind of had with Destiny is I didn't feel like you could really look super different. And not, again, like you can have like purple crazy shoulders, but you all sort of have a similar aesthetic, whereas I'm used to extreme vanity MMOs like Guild Wars 2, where you can look like crazy different from the next person, even if you're the same class. Um, you could be like very scantily clad or you can be completely armored up. Um, so those are the types of things that I like to visually look at or or play or achieve you know goals towards um and then this is sort of a random tangent but when we were talking about the the map of the world and you were saying like now they're trying to add more stuff and the the carrot at the end of the stick is is loot again for me i don't it doesn't always need to be loot don't get me wrong i think that loot was something that destiny one kind of screwed up and they didn't do it right right white <laughs> didn't do it white um, <laughs> But again, I keep going back to Guild Wars 2, but I just think it, it, they did world building really well. And it's just sometimes nice to explore and find something. And you don't get anything for it necessarily, but you find something cool. So like maybe you're diving underwater and then you come up in this underground cave and, you know, you find another player there. And it's like, oh, hey, this is really neat. Like, when do you find this? But you can't ever have a moment like that in Destiny. Uh, because number one, you couldn't talk to the other person. <laughs> you can dance um, with them. Though. You can, you can dance with them, but you're not going to have that sort of same interaction. Or if if you're having trouble figuring out where something is, there was never that ability to get help. Like I've often in Guild Wars just done like map chat. I'm like, hey, I'm looking for blah blah blah. Someone will be like, cool. Somebody blah, 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 comes blah. and helps me. <laughs> like they will, somebody escorted me. Like to the thing I was trying to find. And so like that, and those are the moments for shared games that I live for. Like those are the moments that get me excited. Cause I'm like, Oh, this like gives me the warm fuzzies. And I feel like this is a community. We're all working together towards something or we're all willing to help each other out. So when you're just cut off the way that you were in destiny, it just felt very lonely. And so the only time you really had that connection was with people you already know. And that's great. And I do really enjoy that. But it gets tiresome after a while, especially when you only have a certain number of strikes or whatever, and then you have to just keep doing that mm-hmm. over and over again. You're not going to keep people's attention for long. Yeah, I mean, I think, that, you know, go oh, ahead, Britt. I, so I think what they need to do to get more people involved that aren't the Andreas, who aren't super into it already, because um, I do agree with you. I think this presentation was very much geared toward you. You knew everything that was happening. You knew what these special abilities where you you knew how significant it was to have a map or how cool it is to have treasure and bosses now and uh, clans and matchmaking and all that stuff. But a lot of people, I think, still don't know what the hell Destiny even is because it's the shared shooter, like you said, and it's kind of yeah. this new genre that is being like invented as it goes. And I think that's why the first Destiny, great idea, is just some issues because no one had really traversed this path before. So I think what would help is if they... This presentation is great for Destiny fans, but if they had a separate presentation, probably won't ever happen. But we're like, hey, this is what Destiny is. This is what you can do. Destiny is this. You can do this. You can do this and hold the hand of the potential players 
so they know what they're getting into. I think that would help. Or being like, like have a hardcore re-recruiting sort of a conference where, I mean, they don't call it that, but, you know, being like, we hear you, like, the grind sucked. Because, like, even though you say they fixed it on Taken King, I didn't play it. So I don't know what they fixed. Like, you know, so they need to sort of re-educate players like me who've lapsed and show, like, hey, we know that these were pain points. They're now fixed because of X, Y, Z. Right. Please come back. <laughs> Please come back and play our game. Okay. So it's like a like a communication and marketing problem. I, I, I can buy that. I, I think, obviously, we need to see a lot more. All day today, Steimer and I kept getting asked by other people who were at the event. So what do you think? What do you think you've got to have gotten to play? And I was oh like, boy. the first thing that I said was that I need to see way more. You know, the, yeah. the, the mission that we played was probably like 15 minutes at best. Um, the, the single P- player? Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. PvP match that we played with the new 4v4, which I do not like, um, um, was another yeah, like was, 10 minutes. That was circumstantial. That was no, not no, no. necessarily even, because of the... Even when we played on... Okay, okay. yeah. So it, just a little backstory. When you guys watch the PvP footage in our other video, I apologize. Uh, we got wrecked because we were playing against known PvP Destiny streamers. Hey, thanks for that matchup. <laughs> There are some really cool deaths that I have, though, because they killed me in very unique and creative ways. They were really good. Boy, I can't wait to see. Um, but, um, but, yeah, so that was a really short experience. And then the, the most amount of time we spent with the game was with this new strike. And uh, we, were, we waited for this, this appointment for a really long time, and people kept talking about how difficult the strike was. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, my gosh, the strike is so hard. And then we both get up there and we're like, that wasn't hard. That was pretty yeah, easy, it was actually. Super easy. But yeah. there was... Through all of those experiences, nothing in any of those felt really fresh and new. Mm, and that no, was absolutely disappointing. Not. So I'm super excited to play this game and I'm going to put a lot of hours into it. But I, I agree with you, Steimer. I think that they didn't take it far enough. And I think it's not fair to a $60 consumer to say, well, we have more additional content coming in an expansion pass. Obviously, they have more to show. Let's, I mean, right. they're they saving... They don't have that much time, though. They, they don't. They, I mean, they yeah. have E3, though, and, you yeah. know, they have potentially... They have Bungie Day. You know, yeah, Bungie Day, maybe Gamescom, but, like, um, I, I just don't know. They, they touted today on stage that there's going to be more content than they've ever made before, but we know we were talking about how that bar is so low because yeah. the yeah. content that was there <laughs> like, from a campaign standpoint was, was pretty hilarious. bare. More um, content yeah. than in any other Destiny game. Plus, like, well, that's not hard. I you better the, put more in. Exactly. <laughs> Plus, I love the marketing speak because it could literally be like 20 minutes more. You know, like it's not yeah. like it's so much more, but it's really not, you know, you can, yeah. you can fudge with words. And I, 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 away, I know that game. I went into this event making jokes about how, oh, when we do the segment tonight, everyone's going to call me a Destiny shill. They're going to be like, oh, Activision pays her to talk about Destiny. And, well, that, and then I and then I walked. I was fully prepared to be like, yes, this is the best. This is the tits. I am ready. Let's go, D2. <laughs> but no, yeah. I walked away kind of feeling, you know, like I enjoyed my time with the game. But like, like I was like, oh, OK, like this is cool. But like, I'm not, you know, my no one's blowing up my skirt. So like, what's going on? <laughs> what's going on? Honestly, I feel like I'll probably I'll I feel deja vu coming. I feel like I will get this game. I will play this game. I will enjoy this game for a little while. I will never touch this game again. Like, I feel like I, yeah. I see that path laying out before me. I'm okay with it. Cause like, I do think it's a solid, it's well built game. Like, the mechanics are good. It's fun to shoot things. Yeah. It'll be fun to shoot things with you guys. 
Um, oh boy. But at some point, it's going to overstay its welcome. I don't, I still, they aren't showing me the legs it needs in order to keep me coming back to play more. Yeah. Well, listen, if you guys want to see more about Destiny and learn the answers to some of the questions you guys sent us on Twitter um, about, you know, leveling and gear and some other stuff, you can check out our extra video. And uh, if you guys have any other questions, if if you want to know more about Destiny, um, feel free to reach out, you know, to me individually. Uh, happy to ch- chat Destiny with you because I am obviously a Destiny fangirl. So. <laughs> yes, you are. Um, yeah. We're going to wrap up this um, grab bag segment, but just so you guys know from here on out, this segment is going to kind of be free form. We might do what we did today and talk about one specific game. We might, you know, take a random question that you guys send in. Um, we might talk about, you know, uh, an abstract topic in, in the video game space, but it's going to be kind of free form and we hope you are on board with that. So, um, all right, let's take one more short break and then we'll go into off topic. final segment of the show tonight so off topic um this is a little bit on topic because we decided since it's our first show and there's a lot of people out there that don't know all of us a lot of our fans and you guys who are patrons of ours or if you found us on twitter or facebook have kind of come to us and said hey i know steimer she's really cool but i don't know those other girls or oh my god alexa's my bae but like who's the blonde (laughs) chick that drinks whiskey all the time um like so we decided hey so for those people out there that aren't familiar with all of us we do like a kind of quick rundown of who we are and kind of like what we've done and where you might know us from um to kind of catch everybody up so hopefully you stick around for the rest of us and um you're here for one you know person in particular that's awesome thank you for being a fan and hopefully you like the rest of us too so um let's start with Brit. Hello. first. Hello. I I am the blonde girl who drinks a lot of whiskey. That is my shtick. That is what I bring to this podcast. Um, real quick, my story is that I worked at a really annoying government job with a lot of very unhappy people, and the negative energy there was far too much for me, and it drove me crazy. I felt like my life was going in circles, like I had no control over it. I was commuting three hours a day, working 10 hours a day. Yikes. And it was terrible. And so, but looking back on it, it was the best thing that could have happened to me because it drove me to find some sort of outlet, some sort of release. So I started blogging about video games one day. And for the first time in my life, some like a fire lit under my ass. And I was like, oh my God, life is so exciting. I found something that makes me feel like I'm being productive. And then I met a bunch of people. Um, This was on the old IGN blogs, by the way. You um, met me. I did meet you. You were head of Whoa. Xbox at the time. Yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. was way back in the day. Um, and through that, my love of blogging turned into, I think I'm going to start my own website, which turned into one day I want to go to E3, which turned into I love doing this so much and I'm just going to keep working on my brand. And that's kind of my, I'm a one woman operation, just been doing the whole website solo shindig since 2011, go to conventions across this great country and cover them. And make weird videos and make weird faces and drink a lot of whiskey. 
And that's ultimately how I met everyone on this podcast. That's awesome. Yes, that's yeah. true. And um, you also run an amazing empire of your own. Thank you. Which that's I think unique. is like super awesome. And one of the reasons why I was super excited about working with you on this project, because there's not many people that have the motivation and the hustle to create something from scratch and really stick with it and, and to build that brand and to keep, you know, reinvesting in yourself. And I think that that's really awesome. So I just want to give you Thank some, you. some props. Um, so Alexa, Oh gosh. Uh, Alexa Ray Korea, everybody. Me. I mispronounced Korea. her last name so wrong for so long. It's like the country. Ew. Korea. And that's what I actually never knew that either. So it's, yeah, it's, it's Korea like the country. <laughs> uh, geez. So I was also like Brittany working a job that was like really not great, but was comfortable because it was a job. Paychecks mm-hmm. are nice. And and I was I was actually working in higher education administration. I was the administrator of the English department at Boston University, where I graduated. Um, so I was doing that and it was really boring. And I started blogging about video games. And in January 2012, Box Media put out the call for uh, submissions to a game website that they were looking to launch and they were looking for new writers. And I applied and forgot about it. And nothing happened. And then six months later, I quit that job and was like, I'm going to start over. I'm going to put all my junk in my house where my family lives and, you know, a couple states away, regroup and then figure out what I'm going to do. And literally the day that I handed in my notice to the department, I got a call from Vox and I ended up uh, being a part of the launch team at Polygon.com. And I was there until fall 2014 when I moved out here to join GameSpot. And uh, I was there for a while as like, if you're familiar with my writing, you know, I really like Japanese games and JRPGs, but I did a lot of long form features and I ran a new show for a while. So I've been in the circuit for a long time. Um, And I left last fall to get some management experience uh, of which I was recently let go from. (laughs) Funny story. (laughs) Downsizing happens. Downsizing happens. It was a frequent in this business. Yeah, it was a it was a, a thing. It was not like I did not set anyone on fire nothing bad happened <laughs> but uh i'm sort of uh uh you know doing like other things now i've done some consulting on the side i wrote this book and andrea you've been talking about doing something like this for like months now because we live five minutes apart from each other so we've been like why don't we stream uh we could just keep drinking and watching lord of the rings <laughs> Alexa, we I have, have, have a wine problem i also enjoy whiskey uh along with brit yeah. um but but yeah, we'd been talking about doing it. I mean, you and I met at probably at like what, like a like a PAX party or something? Like a very long time ago. Yeah. Like I don't remember life before like I remember being like <laughs> yeah. super intimidated <laughs> by you. Um cause, what? yeah, cuz like you were like the girl who wrote for Polygon. I was like, "Oh my god, you guys, she writes for Polygon." I was the <laughs> goober that wrote for Polygon. I'm such a goober. Cuz I don't um, really write. Um I have written a few pieces. Uh most of the writing that I do is broadcast writing, so script writing. So I do write quite a bit, but I don't write long form features. I was going to say features <laughs> and then I was going to say pieces and it came out features. Um I don't write long form pieces. Um I don't write reviews. I have written a couple previews when I was at the Escapist. I did some some actual writing. I'm sorry, Greg Tito, that you had to edit those. Uh, I was constantly changing tense, and he was like, hey, 
you know how grammar works and i'm like oh, oh, don't oh Greg, uh, <laughs> yes <laughs> because i was used to writing scripts that i would say out loud in the tense that you right. speak in when you're speaking for yourself versus what you're, i mean we don't need to go into this yeah. but yeah, yeah, yeah. i was bad at it but anyway um i am so glad that you said yes let's do this like i think that you bring such an amazing energy oh, and knowledge dang. to the show yes. and um you are going to teach me all about Japan in ways that I have never explored. We're going to go. All four of us are going to go. The dream trip yes, is for all of us we're to going get to go and do some content day. there. But, um, you know, fans of mine know that I'm not, I don't play a lot of, you know, hardcore Japanese games. I don't play JRPGs. I've been very vocal about that. Not that they're bad games. I just never have been drawn to them. They're just not like the game that's like, ooh, that looks cool. It just... Mm-hmm. I'm more interested in other types of games. Don't you so want to relive out there. high school? <laughs> I mean, that, do some laundry. Really, no, <laughs> I had a really rough time in high school. Like most I of know, us probably I did. High school too. That's another um, grab bag segment. But yeah, um, yeah. another another person who likes Japan games, Japanese games. That's probably the way I should say that. Uh, is uh, Christine Steimer, oh. otherwise known as Steimer. Oh, it's me. Yeah, Christine uh, Steimer. Steimer. Yeah. So I have probably had the most variety of jobs of this group. (laughs) And I think that's just because I can never make up my mind. Um, So I got the job in the industry due to a senior class project. So I majored in corporate communications, which is essentially PR. Fancier term for PR. Did it on the Xbox uh, launch. Then got in with that team interned, got the job on the team. So I started doing uh, PR for Microsoft Game Studios. You mean the Xbox 360 launch? Yes. Yeah. I was like, you are the Sorry, not the OG, just the, the 360. Um, and uh, I did that job for a couple years and hated it. It was like sucking the life out of my soul. <laughs> Uh, and so, I mean, but during that time I'd become friends with people at IGN and I somehow managed to convince them to hire me as, and I didn't start out as an editor. I started out as, I can't remember what it was called. Um, sort of I don't know, like, like the mom, I was the mom of the group, but it was not that title. I just can't remember what the title was off the top of my head. Like a production uh, like, coordinator? Like, organ- Something like that. Again, that wasn't it either, but along those lines and Eventually, I went from that job to running the Xbox channel, and I actually launched Podcast Unlocked uh, with Ryan Clements and Arthur Gies. And I don't oh know, boy, I don't anybody remembers that? I remember but... <laughs> that. I do. I listened to a few episodes of that man. Back yeah, my it was, like, still, fan. it's such a big podcast now, and I keep, I always want to be like. I, I came up with this name. I started this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> you never invite me back. <laughs> Ungrateful. I know. Um, it's okay. Yeah. We'll do our own version here. I'll call up Phil Spencer. He sent us our congratulations on the launch of the show. Aww. Aww. We'll, nice we'll try to get him on the show. We'll recreate it. And then we'll be like, in your face, IGN. We'll call it podcast <laughs> locked. In your face. Yeah. It's uh, not clever at all. <laughs> During that time is when I met Britt, like we like we mentioned before. I'd met her through the blog, so I just saw her and I was like, "This chick's crazy, and I like her." Um, <laughs> so we started say. talking, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then she also loved Alistair as much as I did, so that was a, that was a bonus. Um, then I went to Bioware Social, so I tried game design for a little bit, but it was not AAA game design; it was like facebook social games game design 
that game never saw the light of day. Want want. Uh, and then I switched to PlayStation, which I think I think I think IGN and PlayStation are the two places people would know me from. Uh, and I did the PlayStation Plus videos, which was my more outward facing thing at that company. Then I went to CD Projekt Red. Did community stuff for them, too. So sort of similar to what I was doing at PlayStation. Um, and then I left. And now I'm here. Yeah, now, you are. Yeah. So running your own Twitch channel, Steimer says. Yeah, so I started my own channels and stuff. I was never really, like, thrilled about it in the sense that, like, I've never wanted to be a solo content creator. I completely admire the fact that, like you said before, that Brit has made this empire the way she has and she's (laughs) stuck with it as long as she has because it's hard. It's It's really really hard hard to motivate yourself. It's really hard Mm -hmm. um, when you feel like you're not getting anywhere. Uh, And it's just hard to do all the work. It's just hard. (laughs) So I did it mostly because I didn't have a lot of other choices at the time. And I was like, well, I guess I'll just do it myself. Um, So, yeah, I have. Don't go to SteinerSays.com. It has been taken over. It's a like it's some sort of malware site now. Don't go there. (laughs) What? How? How did you set up that website? Damn. Don't go there um, because, yeah, it, it's a long story, but yeah, just don't do it. Whoa. Um, don't go there. Uh, it's okay because you have whatsgoodgames.com now. Now I have What's Good Games now. So yeah. it's way better because this Alexa is what I've always <laughs> wanted to do. I've always wanted like a cool group of people to hang out with Aww. to make content. You've so. got us. We're here. We're in this together. We're a team. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, thanks for thanks for sharing your story. Um, when Steimer was here in San Francisco before she moved down to Los Angeles, we used to be uh, petty and brunch pals. We'd oh, yeah. get pedicures and go go to brunch and drink mimosas that were far drink too old. large. I thought you meant you were petty <laughs> yeah. at brunch. N- n- like oh, petty. No. Well, no, there was wait, a little no, bit of pettiness. I don't like no. like petty. Oh, petty. Like petty. yeah. Uh, okay, I like that better <laughs> though. Petty. Um, that's the life. No, I mean when we we sure we we did our fair share of gossiping as friends are yes. wont to do. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, um, I miss hanging out with you. So I felt like the only way that we could force hangout time since you live in a different city is to make a show together. So yeah, it we worked are. out really well. It did. Yay. I actually wanted to tell the story of how I met Alexa because I remember it vividly. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, oh my god, god. it's, a, it's super short. Super short. I have real it's bad even... long term memory loss, so like I don't. <laughs> It's not that bad, and it's super short. Okay. So I just remember we were at, it was at one of the bars near uh, Dolores Park, I think. It was a big group of media people, because we all hang out together. And I remember seeing you, and I had watched you on Polygon. And so I went up to you, and I was like, hey, I've watched your videos. And I remember you going, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and like that's what sticks out in my head is when you were like i'm so sorry you had to watch me and i was like what i didn't know what to do i was like i'm what no i well now I watching your videos now we get to watch each other yeah Ew. yeah in a not creepy way <laughs> well i mean we have to edit the or video so way. some of us have to watch each other a little bit more oh boy mm, in a kind of creepy so way sorry sorry um, <laughs> what about you miss andrea give us your little elevator story of life well um I've been doing this for quite some time, so I don't want to go through the whole story because, you know, I when we were talking about what to kind of say for this segment, I'm like, oh, I, I feel like I've told that story on so many other outlets already. Um, but basically, like I went to school for broadcast journalism. It was always my dream to be Mary Hart. I loved Entertainment Tonight growing up, so I 
uh, got a broadcast degree. I moved to Los Angeles to pursue entertainment news. And I was doing red carpets and junkets and all kinds of stuff when I was trolling the Craigslist for auditions. Um, and I saw an audition for a reporter for E3. And as a lifelong gaming fan, of course, the idea of going to E3 is like super exciting. So I applied and they said, we can't pay you, but we can give you a badge. And I said, I'm in. And that was my oh. very first video games job, which, you know, I don't recommend taking jobs for free, but sometimes you gotta, you gotta, you know, put some work in to get the experience to get the job that will pay you down the road. Um, and so that kind of kicked off this idea in my head that, oh my gosh, like I can actually work as a reporter in video games and not just entertainment news. And so I started looking for more video game opportunities. And that's when I got my job uh, hosting This Week in Video Games on thisweekend.com, one of the original podcast networks way back in the day, uh, ran by the same site as Mahalo. Mahalo Video Games is where I met uh, some of my friends who now work at Smosh. Um, So Hinky, Jovenjire, Lasercorn, Blitz, um, those guys, we all worked together at Mahalo Video Games. And then from there, I moved to Clever Games and started a YouTube channel there and built that out of scratch. And I you know, hired Sohinky and, and Lasercorn to come and run that channel with me. And it kind of ballooned into this big thing. And I left to go pursue a more creative development role at Machinima because that was in their heyday as an MCN. And then um, I ended up leaving Machinima because they made some dramatic changes in a, in a really short period of time and wasn't really what I had envisioned my role there being. And I went back to work with Clever, which had now become part of Alloy Digital, which now is known as Defy Media, um, and worked there. And that's where I got to work with The Escapist, really meet a lot of those people who worked out of the Durham office and met some really great folks, got to, you know, meet guys like Jim Sterling and Yahtzee, uh, who are just lovely, lovely people. They play, they play big brash voices on the internet, but they are both softies. Um, and then I, you know, when Defy acquired game trailers from Viacom, I got to meet Brandon and his whole team and work with, you know, Jeff Keeley on bonus round and do a bunch of really cool projects there and be part of that team. And, and then sadly, um, you know, like a lot of things happen. People, people have accused me <laughs> of when I tell the story of they're like, oh my gosh, she's such a job hopper. And I'm like, no, I'm not a job hopper. Like these projects end, like they, the contracts either ended or the outlets were eliminated or downsized and like when you work in games media unless you work for one of like the big three outlets i mean you kind of got to like bootstrap your way into a position because they just don't stick around long um and that's just the sad truth of it um and especially now with the rise of twitch and youtube it's even more splintered and fractured than it used to be um so after after kind of game trailers got shut down by defy which was devastating for a lot of us out there who are fans of game trailers so glad to see you know, Brandon and all the guys, you know, over at Easy Allies, we're hopefully going to be doing some collabs with them, um, Patreon friends of ours. And um, I kind of was like, hmm, what am I, you know, what's my next kind of editorial venture going to be? And I've been doing some kind of gun for hire mercenary type work with a variety of outlets. Um, I got to do a a cool contract with Yahoo Esports where I helped them launch their channel. Uh, last year, I started a show at Playboy Gaming at Gamer Next Door called uh, G&D Weekly, which was fun. And sadly, that editorial department also got shut down. Um, and then I also got to work with people like IGN. I did some GameSpot stuff for E3 and, you know, guest hosted on so many podcasts and Internet shows. And I've just been, you know, 
really grateful that I've gotten to meet so many people in this industry along the way, including you ladies. And so a lot of, a lot of times throughout this career of mine, I've been asked like, you know, you work for so many different people and it feels like you have to constantly hustle to get the next thing. Why don't you just start your own thing? And like Steimer, I was just never motivated to start my own thing because I knew exactly how much work it was because I'd started other brands and tried to build other brands at several of these other outlets that I'd worked at. I was just like, that's a massive job that I just can't imagine taking on by myself. So when, you know, I kind of floated the idea to you girls and we, you know, kind of tossed it around for a month or two. And then finally I was like, hey, do we actually like want to do it? Do we want to like, you know, put our foot down and say, this is this is the month we're going to make it happen. I was super excited. And now here we are. We're doing our own thing. And obviously, you know, we are incredibly grateful for all of the subscribers and patrons that we have on patreon.com. We would not be here, you know, without you. We'd be doing the audio podcast, but certainly the video probably wouldn't be here. (laughs) Yeah, for real. That's true. Um, You know, and having that platform as a way for us to be able to create content directly for the people who have followed our careers has been so great, but it still isn't obviously enough for us to pay our rent and to, to pay our other bills and to get health right, insurance right. and all these things that <laughs> health insurance being an very adult. expensive. So what that means for us is, you know, that we still all have other things going on. We're all still working with other outlets and doing other gigs. And I think that's going to do nothing but contribute to the, uh, you know, the kind of experience and the voice and the perspective that we bring to the show. So absolutely, I, I think I'm done. I think I'm done rambling now. That was a that good was ramble. Good. That was a good ramble. That was a good. Thanks. I liked it. It's a good but ramble. I also want to say, just adding on to what you were saying, like, yes, we love and thank all of our patrons, but I do want to reiterate, like, if you're listening and you aren't a patron, that's okay. Like, yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, we, yeah. we appreciate you. The fact that you're listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. patron or no, like, thank you so much. And you made it to this point this. almost yeah, two exactly. hours in. <laughs> yeah. You stuck with us through the weird Japanese talk and everything. <laughs> we have some really cool stuff planned that we would love to do. And we hopefully, you know, we'll you know, get to meet you guys and create a cool community and talk to you and yeah. on the Facebook page and in the Patreon comments and in the YouTube comments and on Twitter, please reach out to us. Um, if you guys are watching the video, you can see some of our links below, but if you're listening, you can follow us on Twitter at what's good underscore games. Um, we are on Instagram at what's good games official. Um, you can go to our website, what's good games.com. And of course our Patreon patreon.com slash what's good games and then our youtube channel youtube.com slash what's good games so we're going to be doing lots of stuff we really want you guys to get involved um you know thank you so much for being here we also have to give another shout out to dale north for the awesome podcast music that Mm -hmm. he composed for us he is wonderful and the music that he made for us is fantastic so thank you again dale for that and um yeah we um i think that's i think that's a wrap for our first show. Ladies. We did it. Did we do it? I think we did we it. Did it. Team. <laughs> All right. Well, we will be back next week with another show. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, have a great weekend. Thank you. Bye.